my all-time favorite quote from Dr. King, says, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Today I want to unpack, explain, and discuss the emergency crisis of police violence in Nigeria and really unpack and explain why it should matter to all of us. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. Before we fully dive into today's episode, let me first say to all of the protesters and demonstrators and everybody who is working hard to fight back against police violence in Nigeria, from those of you who've donated, for those of you who might be listening to this on Instagram or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you are in the world, let me first say from my mouth to your ears that we are standing in solidarity with you. We believe in you. We are grateful for your, uh, for your courage and bravery in the face of state-sanctioned violence. And I want to start there because I'm not Nigerian. Uh, I'm not in Nigeria, and I only have the perspective of an outsider here. When I have often heard other people from other countries speak about police violence in the United States, it has often been painfully clear to me that sometimes you truly have to be in a place to understand the complexity and nuance of it. And for instance, when George Floyd was murdered and and people all over the world, almost 20 million people saw that video just from my social media accounts alone, people just struggled to understand how people from outside of the United States in particular struggled to understand how something like that was possible. Well, in the United States, where we have a painful history of lynching, where black men in particular are killed in broad daylight in front of everybody, where where people serve as judge, jury and executioner. And we've seen these images our whole lives. We know the bloody history of lynching in this country. For us, when we saw we were our, our conscious and our heart and soul, they were shocked and disturbed, but for us, it was just a part of um, of how this country works. But for people around the world, it was like, hold on, what? Or when people saw the video of white men literally chasing down Ahmaud Aubrey and shooting and killing him, these men were were racist white supremacists. It's like, hold on, people are being chased and murdered. Why are people breaking into the home of Breonna Taylor and shooting and killing her? And people around the world have tried as outsiders to understand the unique pain of what it means to be black in America. And now we as Americans and and people from outside of the continent of Africa, but particularly outside of Nigeria, we are seeing the crisis of police violence explode and what we don't understand is how long has this been going on 
what did this feel like last month, last year, 10 years ago? What, what is the history and legacy and context for it? And so for many of us who, like I have always followed African news closely and try to try to watch the major breaking news from throughout the continent the best that I can. It's, it's certainly hard to do that from American news sources, but try to follow at least the big stories the best I can. For a lot of us, including myself, the protest and demonstrations against police violence seemingly came out of nowhere. And what I know is that they never come out of nowhere. I know that that's not actually how it happened. It's just the media coverage finally boiled over to the point and the protest and demonstrations against this police violence grew so much that it finally broke through into the news cycle that it finally trended across social media and the hashtag end SARS uh, was everywhere on all of my timelines and all of my direct messages and I'll be frank, it took me a few days to even understand what people were were saying when they said in SARS, because here in the United States, when and we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. And for those of you who may be listening around the world, this pandemic has ravaged our country with nearly two hundred and twenty five thousand people dead. Nearly eight million people now have contracted the coronavirus here. And in this pandemic, the word SARS for us is also a word frequently used with a type of flu here. And so when I first started seeing in SARS, I thought that the SARS flu had caught on somewhere else. I'm not I'm not joking. That's literally what my mind processed when I first saw it. And it took me a couple of days to understand that in SARS, this was early last week, probably 10 days ago or so, that in SARS had anything to do with police brutality. It took me 48 hours or so to understand what it was really about. We have a quick word from a brand new sponsor that I want you all to check out, but I want to unpack and explain what SARS is, try to give you an update on where things are right now all over Nigeria, which is an enormous country. It is the largest African nation population-wise in the world with the largest black population of any country in the world, larger than the United States, Brazil, or any country in the continent, I want to explain to you why these protests and demonstrations and why the police brutality matters. I'll be right back. My wife and I have five kids, two of which are now in college. And one of the most important lessons that we've tried to teach them is something that it took us way too long to learn for ourselves. We've tried to teach them how to stay out of debt. And listen, it's not easy, particularly in 2020. But if you do have debt, there's a great tool that I love and trust. I'm using it myself that makes it so much easier to manage your debt and to eventually get out of it. Empathize is a personal finance tool that lets you manage all of your credit cards and all of your loans in one place. They help you see the interest rates on all of your expenses and figure out which needs to be paid off first, getting you out of debt as quickly as humanly possible. 
You'll even know the exact date that you'll be 100% debt-free. To get started, go to empathize.com slash breakdown. That's E-M-P-A-T-H-I-Z-E, empathize.com slash breakdown to give it a try. It's 100% free to get started. And again, that's empathize.com slash breakdown. Kick the tires, put some information in there so that you can really get your mind wrapped around your debt and let me know what you think about it. It's a great tool. The word SARS, S-A-R-S, which you are probably seeing all over your timelines, I am glad it is a good thing that uh, social media influencers and celebrities and athletes and entertainers and authors and leaders and other people have all shown solidarity. Solidarity not only encourages your soul when you are a protester and an activist and organizer, it, it encourages you to see the people of the world are with you. And in your corner, it lets you know as you stare down brutality, as you stare down uh, uh, government agencies, to know that people of influence around the world have your back really, really matters. But that word SARS, which is still all over my timeline, it's not a flu. Uh, It is an acronym that stands for Anti-Robbery Squad, the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, SARS, Special Anti-Robbery Squad. And it is a rogue, overtly violent force throughout Nigeria that was assembled in the name of addressing robbery and theft, but was then basically used to brutalize people all over the country. And if you are, everything you know about racial profiling in the United States and your imagination probably goes immediately to a white police officer racially profiling someone black, the same stuff is happening in Nigeria, but with black officers regularly profiling and targeting, particularly young black people throughout the country, young Nigerians throughout the country. And at first it started, if they had nice stuff, they would target them as if they must have stolen it. Then it just almost became... The SARS squad, this SARS goon squad got way beyond some actually skilled group that was addressing robbery to it just became a harassing agency that was targeting particular communities, particular people uh, at first just with harassment, which shouldn't happen at all. But that harassment uh, quickly pivoted to brutality, corruption, falsification of evidence, uh, large numbers of people being incarcerated for crimes they didn't even commit that had, again, nothing to do with robbery. And the brutality got so bad and so frequent all over the country that in the midst of protests around the world against white supremacy and police brutality, Nigerians stood up for themselves 
and have been organizing and demonstrating against their own the brutality of their own government in a way that I've never seen before in my life. It is um it is a powerful thing to stand up to any government, but Nigeria has a strong central government and they have been so organized and in a lot of ways the end SARS movement mirrors some of the best aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement in that they too are super decentralized, that there's not one primary leader. It is a youth movement. Uh, women, as always, are front and center. And they have deliberately, intentionally made it such that it doesn't rely on the voice or body of one person. Instead, it has ballooned to hundreds of thousands, even millions of Nigerians from all walks of life and all backgrounds who are saying, you're going to have to stop the brutality. And while Nigeria's government has already under force from the protests and demonstrators, while the Nigerian government has agreed to many concessions and said that many things are going to end, including they just said yesterday that they're going to free all of the protesters that have been arrested and jailed unconditionally, which is something that I wish we would see here in the United States. But, you know, Nigerians are saying we have to see these concessions. You just telling us that you're going to do A, B, C, D and E is not enough. We have to see it to believe it. And not only that, the police and military have been incredibly violent uh, in response to these protests even killing protesters over the past two to three days as the anti-protester violence from police and the military just spiraled out of control. And it's really that violence uh, that only sparks and makes a movement even more determined. And we know that from the movements here in our own country, that when you brutalize us, that doesn't stop us. It only fuels the movement. So I I send my love and support to all of the protesters and organizers and demonstrators, to all the Nigerians who are in Nigeria and who live throughout the diaspora, including here in the United States. And we will be posting across my social media channels and the social media channels of the Grassroots Law Project ways that you can support, uh, ways that you can join in. Of course, you can post about this across your social media Uh, If you go to my Instagram page now, I ask people who is on the ground that we can follow. And I want you to look at the the comments because there's a lot to learn even in the comments of people saying, um, no, these are just a bunch of celebrities that people have encouraged. Here Here are some organizations. Other people saying, no, well, these celebrities are making a difference. All of that mirrors a lot of what we see here in the United States. If you go to my Instagram page, You'll see one of my recent posts, just depending on when you listen to this. Uh, I'm recording this on October 15th. And so if you're listening to this days later, you'll have to scroll back to my post uh, early in the morning on Thursday, October 15th, where I ask my following, which has uh, thousands of Nigerians in and outside of Nigeria, who should we follow and amplify and support? Check that out. Let's show our solidarity in every way that we can. And understand that the injustice in America 
is also exported. The United States influences the culture of the world. And when we have a brutal police culture, it doesn't just stop mysteriously at our borders. Uh, The United States has a mass incarceration and police brutality industry, uh, literally with lobbyists and, and mega corporations that back and support policing. And I mean, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar enterprise in this country, policing and mass incarceration. And they export their training, their standards, their mechanisms all over the world and the equipment. And it's no surprise when we see other countries, including African countries, mimicking the barbarism of American police. Um, American culture, it's not only the wonderful aspects of it that gets exported out, it's also the dreadful aspects. And that's why we must lead up front and end mass incarceration in the police state here in this country in every way we can. I've got to run. I will be back later today for the Breakdown Live. I think I will also talk about uh, the police brutality crisis in Nigeria again later today. If you want to check that out, uh, go to twitch.tv slash the breakdown and I'll be live this afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about a brand new podcast that I love a lot. And it's not because there's a woman that I love who is the co-host, my dear wife, Ray. But she is co-hosting a brilliant, important, essential podcast called Woke at Work with Dr. Blanca Ruiz. It's an amazing podcast about women of color in the workplace and all of the unique challenges and opportunities and sophistications. And they have brilliant interviews and they unpack the myriad of issues, what it really means to be a woman of color in leadership in the workplace and so much more. You spell it W-O-C at work, W-O-C at work, women of color at work. Search it. It's on all of the platforms now. It's getting amazing reviews, and I want you to check it out.